Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Unfiltered Special Coverage, Road to Impeachment. What a week. If you're feeling a little overwhelmed, a little exhausted, maybe even a little confused, well, that's understandable. The bombs went off in rapid clusters this week, and they're still exploding even today. News that President Trump pressured the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden's son. Boom. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announces an impeachment inquiry. Boom. The White House releases a rough phone call transcript Confirming the whistleblower account, boom. The House releases the redacted whistleblower complaint. And here's testimony from acting DNI Joseph McGuire, who calls the situation unprecedented. Boom. The word that comes to my mind is seismic. And just within the past 24 hours, more aftershocks. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has been subpoenaed. We have a member of one of the committees who subpoenaed him on in just a minute. Here's tonight's headline. It just got real. This, folks, is just the beginning. The dam has broken, and we all need to prepare ourselves for what will be a constant flood of new revelations, important revelations, as this process unfolds. We must also be prepared for the flood of misinformation, misdirection, obfuscation, distraction that will come for the president and his supporters. And to that end, Trump is calling for Congressman Adam Schiff's resignation, calling him a sick man. He's called for the whistleblower and the people who gave him information to be treated as traitors and handled accordingly. He tweeted earlier today, can you imagine if these do-nothing Democrat savages, people like Nadler, Schiff, AOC Plus 3, and many more, had a Republican Party who would have done to Obama what the do-nothings are doing to me, oh well, Maybe next time. He has already flooded Twitter with rantings and ravings, all designed to confuse and clutter the process. But here's the deal. Through all of it, you just have to trust your gut and common sense. There's been a lot of uh, spin surrounding the whistleblower complaint and the transcript of Trump's phone call with Ukrainian President Zelensky. But you be the judge. On page two of the rough call log, Zelensky brings up military funding for Ukraine. He says we are almost ready to buy more javelins from the U.S. for defense purposes. The next words out of Trump's mouth. I would like you to do us a favor, though. Trump's Republican defenders insist there's no explicit quid pro quo there, but common sense says the military aid is dependent upon agreeing to whatever favor Trump is about to request. He later makes the ask, urging Zelensky to investigate the Bidens. On Monday, Trump shrugs off the news, defending his call with Zelensky, saying, why would you give money to a country that you think is corrupt? Common sense, says Trump himself right there, was tying the military aid to an investigation of Biden. 
Trump defenders are spinning the call on the allegations in the whistleblower complaint as, quote, nothing more than a collection of third-hand accounts of events and cobbled-together press clippings, all of which shows nothing improper. That's according to White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham. But common sense? Well, when the White House admits that it directed the call transcript to be locked down and filed in a separate classified system where few people could see it, well, that sounds like there's plenty improper. To a lot of people, that sounds like a cover-up, in fact. Guys, Trump is hoping that we're too stupid to put these pieces together. He's betting he can gaslight his way through this and create enough confusion and chaos that we get too tired and overwhelmed to see it as clearly as it really is. But this isn't complicated. It's pretty darn crystal clear. Now, whether this results in his impeachment is another story. And I have been very hesitant to jump on that bandwagon thus far, namely because there simply wasn't enough there. And impeachment is generally bad for America. But we've crossed the Rubicon, folks. There is simply no way around opening an impeachment inquiry. It's the right thing to do. And the time is now. Congressman Dean Phillips, who flipped a red seat in 2018 and this week called for the impeachment inquiry, joins me now. Um, Congressman Nancy Pelosi is is now willing to go down this road, but she wants to keep it narrowly focused on on Ukraine and that whistleblower complaint. Does that strategy make sense to you? You know, Essie, it does. Uh, This behavior is so egregious. And remember, I'm one of 92 new members of Congress. We just took our oath of office nine months ago. And we are very mindful of that right now. And I think that in light of the facts that are coming out in rapid successions over over the past few days, uh, we have no choice uh, but to do what the Constitution requires us to do uh, to uphold the rule of law. And I think this specific example is one that should be pursued because, again, it is so egregious. And I think that's right. And I think we should also do it expeditiously because that is also in the country's best interest. Well, and that's what I want to ask you about next, because um, leadership further said they want this wrapped up by the holidays. They're reluctant to make this a long, drawn-out process. I, I don't blame them. Do you think that's possible, though, given, I mean, just the voluminous amounts of news uncovered this week alone were likely to get a whole lot more? I think the answer is absolutely. Uh, we have a number of committees that have been doing investigations for some months now. You know, I have right next to me the whistleblower's report uh, and the summary of that transcript. Those two items alone, SE, uh, are so clear uh, in the wrongdoing. And I, you know, I, I do believe uh, on some level the president may not even know uh, that what he did is wrong. Uh, but ignorance is no defense. And yeah. I think we can conclude this quickly. And I think we should. I, hmm. We have a lot of work to do in Congress. Uh, those of yeah. us who just joined the 116th Congress, came here to do good work for people. This is not what we wanted to do. In fact, it's sad for America, but it's good for the Constitution and good for the rule of law. So you're on the Foreign Affairs Committee, as I mentioned. You've issued a subpoena to Secretary of State Pompeo Mm -hmm. for various documents, which, which he has yet to turn over. If he refuses, what then? What's the plan? Well, then he'll be held in contempt. This is this is obstruction, and this is this is one of the, the grave issues that we're facing right now. Congress is a co-equal branch of government. Uh, we should have access to those documents. They were requested two weeks ago with no response. Yeah. Uh, they've been subpoenaed. Uh, we have other depositions, five depositions forthcoming next week. There, there's a lot of smoke, SE, and our job, our right. our responsibility, uh, is to investigate it, uh, draw out the facts, uh, and then proceed on principle. And that's exactly what we intend to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, However, there were some complaints even 
among Democrats that hearings with people like Corey Lewandowski were, were kind of unhelpful to the cause, um, kind of look like a circus. Do you think Democrats need to be careful with the way that these hearings are conducted, even if just to avoid the perception that this is partisan or just meant to embarrass certain Trump allies? Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that was unfortunate, and uh, nobody wants to see that kind of behavior uh, in our Congress. Uh, I'd like to see forthcoming hearings uh, shown as broadly as possible to the American public, so the facts can be brought out. In fact, I'm one who favors uh, letting professionals uh, uh, do the questioning in those mm. hearings, so that this is not partisan. I think that would be in the best interest of our Congress, and hopefully restore some trust in an institution that yeah. certainly needs more of it. I think it's a great idea. Um, okay, so the House, as you know, is going on a two-week recess. What great timing. Um, you're in a swing district. When you go home, what do you expect to hear from your constituents on impeachment? How do you, how do you plan to talk about impeachment with them? Well, I'll tell you, see, I, I've been listening for many months since my election uh, uh, to constituents, a growing chorus from my district and beyond. Uh, my district is a, a fluent, uh, highly engaged district, very moderate and thoughtful. Uh, that chorus has grown, and now a lot of independents and a lot of Republicans are sharing their perspective that we have no other choice, uh, yeah. despite the fact that it is a, it's a distasteful pursuit. In fact, I spent this morning on the phone calling constituents of mine that have registered their grave concerns about proceeding with impeachment. So uh, I'm listening to everybody. Yeah. I'm speaking with everybody who wishes to do so with me. That's our job. Representation begins with listening. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it is the Constitution and the rule of law. And we have to abide by that. And it's not just for this president. It's for the presidency and yeah. in the future. And that's what we have to be focused on at this moment in our history. Yeah, and I'm going I'm to talk over the course of uh, the rest of the hour about potential political consequences uh, as a result of, uh, of doing this. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Congressman. Thanks for, for speaking with me tonight. I'll have you back as this continues. My pleasure. Thanks. Okay, the gravity of an impeachment investigation can't be overstated, nor can the political risk. Someone who worked closely with Nancy Pelosi will talk to me about the path forward next. None of us, my colleagues will agree, came to Congress to impeach a president. So this is not a, a cause for any joy that we have to go down this path. It's a difficult decision to make, but we have that obligation. Because in the actions that were taken could undermine the Constitution and the oath we take to protect and defend, including the oath that the president takes. After being criticized for her caution on impeachment, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has taken the plunge. She speaks in about two hours in Texas, where she'll undoubtedly continue to make her case as to why now, perhaps one reason she was hesitant, impeachment has consequences, not just for the subject of impeachment, but for the impeaching party. Right now, the polling is trending in Pelosi's favor. According to the latest One Nightmarist poll from Wednesday, 49 percent approve of an impeachment inquiry. That's up from Quinnipiac poll just before Pelosi's official impeachment announcement that found only 37 percent uh, support. Now, that's an improvement, but it's still not a majority. And that's why Democrats are fielding questions like these. If you had to vote on articles of impeachment right now, what would well, how would you vote? I, I, I would vote no right now because we haven't seen all the facts. 
we have to uh, presume that uh, people are innocent, don't we? Do you have to worry about the political ramifications of moving forward on impeachment, particularly in a district like yours? Manu, at some point you have to toss the political calculations out the window and do what's right for our republic. Joining me now to talk about the crass politics of impeachment is someone who knows Pelosi well. He was the chair of the House Democratic Caucus, former Congressman Joe Crowley. Um, Congressman, to, to Rep Cartwright's point, at some point the political calculations get tossed out the window to do what's right, but the political calculations don't really go away. So let's talk about what some of them are are likely to be. Um, the first is the most obvious potential consequence, which is that it helps Trump get reelected. Your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think you can base a decision as to whether or not to move forward on impeachment, uh, right. and, you know, how it, how it affects the president or affects really the Democratic caucus at this point. And I think uh, Nancy Pelosi it was reluctant to come to this. Uh, often I, I heard her talk about the pressure she uh, was under back in 06 when Democrats took back the House during the Bush administration, the pressure to bring impeachment against then George W. Bush. And she said repeatedly, we will not put the American people through that. She believes right. that elections have consequences. Right. And, you know, that this is we're not a banana republic. We don't want to use impeachment every every time a person is elected president to try to remove them. So I do believe she is very reluctant, despite her incredible right. reservations about this president. I think she still was reluctant to move forward on this. But we know, you know, Clinton's impeachment, for example, only helped his approval numbers. You don't think mm -hmm. there's any concern that impeachment will have the same effect on Trump? Not, not as a reason not to yeah. pursue it, just that is, is it a concern among some Democrats? Well, I, I think, you know, we don't know what the future will hold until those facts, as Matt Cartwright had mentioned, the facts are fully known and understood. Uh, you know, I, I, I think there is serious evidence so far that I've seen that would suggest the president has violated his constitutional oath to uphold the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic. Uh, and so what, what the president was engaged in, I think, is very is more than troubling. I think there right. is certainly evidence here. So uh, regardless as to what the political outcome will be, this is not a good thing for for our country, period. But, yeah. it, you know, it, it, but, but it is good in the sense that we're upholding to the, the rules of the Constitution itself that right. was meant to deal with issues just like this. And I think you and I, you and I can both agree that uh, opening impeachment inquiry is the right thing to do. I'm trying mm -hmm. to, to gauge whether or not some of these political consequences, and they're real, are, are, yeah. are going to, uh, you know, affect this process. Another concern that I'm sure weighed into Pelosi's initial reluctance was the effect down ballot on some House members in more moderate districts, maybe who are up for re-election in 2020. How do you think they might have to sort of handle impeachment um, when they go home to their constituents? Well, Leslie, I think that's a great point you bring, uh, you raise, uh, because I think it was, wasn't the pressure from the left here that I think moved this, this process forward. I think it was those, many of those, especially seven vulnerable Democrats who took a very courageous stance uh, early this week, and they said that they believed that we needed to move forward with impeachment inquiry. Yeah. Uh, it was those folks who were on the front line that know that we're facing a difficult challenge of re-election anyway, who said, it's not about my seat, it's not about yeah. my own personal politics, it's about the country. And I think even Republicans have to re admire that. There's a great admiration for people who put aside their own personal you know, politics. And, and yeah. we're all human, we all want to win again, right? But it doesn't always work that way. And there's nothing wrong with losing if, if you're doing that to uphold the principles that you hold dear. 
So let me, I mean, uh, uh, let me just flip that on its head for the sake of argument. Do you think mm-hmm. Democrats are willing to pursue impeachment, even if it costs them the House, even if it costs them the White House? I, I think that Democrats prepare to take this uh, to the American people, uh, let the facts speak for themselves. Uh, and you, you just can't get around that. If the president violated the law, if the president violated his oath of office, they really have no choice. And I think, uh, SC, this is mm-hmm. the straw that broke the camel's back. There have been many things that have happened over a period of time here uh, that I, I just uh, a wanton uh, disregard uh, for the Constitution. And I just think that Nancy Pelosi, uh, just she really had no other choice at this point in time. She didn't want to go down this path. I think she had to go down this path. I just want to give you one last um, question, a chance yeah. to respond to Trump's latest um, tweet calling Jerry Nadler, Adam Schiff, the squad, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, Democratic savages. You know, <laughs> I've known many of these people. Uh, Jerry Nadler, for instance, for almost 35 years. I've known Adam Schiff for as long as he's been in elective office here in the House of Representatives. These are some of the finest people you ever uh, will ever meet. Jerry Nadler is a constitutional lawyer. Uh, they love the Constitution. They love everything about this country. And it's typical for this president to use that type of tactic uh, to obfuscate, to, to throw covers over what's really happening. But it won't work here. These are professionals. They know the law. And, and especially when it comes to Adam Schiff, former federal prosecutor, they know how to move this case. Former Democratic Caucus Chair Joe Crowley, really appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you, Essie. Thank you. Okay, there's no place on the campaign trail that's far enough to escape the impeachment aftershocks. It's something that some of the 2020 candidates are learning the hard way. And a little later, Republican lawmakers are once again privately concerned. Don't get me started. The impeachment inquiry, to be sure, will not only hang over Trump's re-election efforts, but the 2020 Dems, too. It might, upon first glance, seem like this is all good news for Democrats running against Trump, but not so fast. There will likely be some landmines for them to navigate, too. Chief among them, how to answer questions about Trump's scurrilous and wrong accusations against the Bidens. Elizabeth Warren was given a shot at that, and, well, here's how that went. You've offered two ethics plans. Could you say whether or not, under a Warren administration, would your vice president's child be allowed to serve on a board of a foreign company? No. Why I don't, not? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to go back and look at the details on Do you the think plan. that could be a problem? I, I have to go back and look. After realizing she may have just implied Hunter Biden's role on the board of a Ukrainian energy company was improper... She used her second opportunity to shift it back to Trump. And just very quickly, obviously, the president has gone after Joe Biden and his son. Do you think his conduct, his business dealings, Hunter Biden's, should be off limits in this campaign? I believe that this issue is about Donald Trump, and that's where we need to keep our focus. Let's be clear. Ukrainian prosecutors found no evidence of any wrongdoing by Hunter Biden, So why didn't Warren just say that? Well, let's discuss with my panel, Republican strategist and CNN political commentator Alice Stewart and Democratic strategist, also a CNN political commentator, Hillary Rosen. Um, Alice, shouldn't Biden's Democratic opponents defend him against the Trump smears that he and his son are corrupt? Warren didn't do that in either of those responses. They should if they want to follow President Obama's advice and not 
engage in a circular mm. firing squad. However, what we're going to see, and I don't expect it to stop, as the Democrats rush to go about this impeachment inquiry, they will be dropping bombs, they will be setting landmines, mm. and Joe Biden will be the collateral damage. He not only has to deal with answering questions with regard to his potential involvement with Ukraine, but he, while he's spending time doing that, he's not able to be out on the mm. campaign trail talking about health care, about education, about uh, what they're going to do with regard to immigration. And that is a big detriment for him. Meanwhile, the other candidates are able to point the finger at Trump, mm. not answer questions on Biden, and talk about issues that the American people are concerned with. Hillary, I think, I think a fair question, though, of Biden is, will a Biden administration permit your son or daughter to take positions of influence, either in the White House, the government, or foreign entities, where there may be conflicts of interest? And I view that as a question more related to Trump's decision to do just that and less to Hunter's involvement on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. Is that a fair question of Biden? Well, at the time, of course, it wasn't a conflict of interest. Ukraine was an ally and, and this was a legitimate company. So there wasn't there wasn't really an issue. The issue became what happened later when um, uh, people um, made a deal of it. But I, look, I think that the Joe Biden has had a, a, a bit of an open book about this. Reporters have been on this story for a very long time and have found nothing. Uh, you had the Obama State Department back him up in terms of their own interest on this issue. So I don't think this is really an issue of whether there's anything there. I think it's really more an issue of whether this kind of constant drumbeat by uh, President Trump scares the other candidates a little bit and encourages them to just keep their mouth shut instead of fighting back on on um, Vice President Biden's behalf. And that that will hurt him, I think. Hmm. But the really big, bigger problem, I think, for Democrats running for president is they want to be talking about health care. They want to be talking right. about what's wrong with Donald Trump's, you know, uh, economic agenda. They want to be talking about education. And all of the energy is going to get sucked into Washington right now and not, yeah, you that's know, in Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina. Landmine to, to, to navigate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Finding ways on the campaign trail and debates to, to bring the story back. That's, that'll be hard to do. Um, Alice, there are other landmines here for the Democrats. Um, one is going to be pushing the House Democrats further than they're willing to go, um, getting ahead of the inquiry process. That's sort of the flip side of not wanting to talk about impeachment, right. except when they want to talk about impeachment. Right. And I think for folks like Warren and, and Bernie, who have been out in front of impeachment, that might be a risk for them. The risk is setting a level of expectations that they possibly cannot meet. Mm. This is what happened with the Mueller report. They set the level of expectation. We thought there was going to be a huge bombshell, and the Mueller report didn't raise to that level. And if they get ahead of their skis and have everyone anticipating this is going to be uh, end-all and be-all and a, a true smoking gun with regard to an impeachment, if that level isn't met, they're going to be the party of the boy who cried wolf, and that will backfire on them. And that's going to turn off a lot of independents that may come there, and also Democrats who are putting their faith in, in the process playing out. But at the end of the day, yeah. I think the best advice is to slow down, take a look at the facts, and let the facts lead to the ultimate. Well, and Hillary, to that point, what if, you know, what if this goes as quickly as... Um, Pelosi and some Democrats, Democrats want it to. And, you know, just a few months, maybe six months before the election, we, we learn impeachment was unsuccessful, maybe. I mean, how does that affect Democrats on the trail? Well, 
First of all, I think you see the two leaders on the trail um, over the last 24 hours say that this should be a non-political process. There should be an investigation. Neither Vice President Biden nor Elizabeth Warren has actually yeah. said that, you know, this calls for impeachment. They said it calls for a serious investigation and it should be a non-political investigation. Yeah. I think that that the speaker is trying to move this along so that no matter what happens, there is time between this inquiry and the election for right. to kind of to level set back. The problem is that, you know, I don't see the White House, you know, giving over these documents very easily. I don't see them wi sure. their witnesses cooperating. I think that, you know, the more that Nancy Pelosi says we want to move faster with this investigation, the more they will slow walk everything yes. to try and to try and um, uh, dare the Democrats to go forward without right. all the facts. Yeah. And I think that's the stalemate we're going to come up against when it comes to, you know, Thanksgiving mm. and, and Christmas. Great. Uh, well, Alice Stewart, Hillary Rosen, thanks so much for, for joining me, both of you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take all care. All right. Coming up, I'm talking to the man who has correctly predicted the past nine presidential elections and his most recent forecast in light of the impeachment news. Well, that's next. In the red file tonight, what's in store for the nation now that House Democrats have opened an impeachment inquiry? There are some 10 million first-time voters who were not alive in 1998, the last time a president was impeached. Presidents Bill Clinton and Andrew Johnson were both impeached by the House, but the Senate failed to convict. And President Nixon faced an impeachment inquiry and articles of impeachment were drafted, but he resigned before the full House voted. So what's going to happen next? Let's walk through it. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has broken with precedent and said the committee is already investigating the president are now doing so as a formal impeachment inquiry. She's also instructed the House Intelligence Committee to take the lead and to focus narrowly on the whistleblower complaint and the president's phone call with Ukraine. Whatever information is gathered over the course of the next several weeks will form the basis for any articles of impeachment that would be drawn up by the Judiciary Committee, sort of like a grand jury indictment. The committee would then vote and, if approved, would send it on to the House floor. It takes a simple majority to approve articles of impeachment. If that happens, the process would then move on to the Senate for a trial. Senators then become the jurors, and Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts would preside. In that chamber, it would take a supermajority, meaning 67 senators to remove Trump from office. So 20 Republicans would have to vote to remove the president to get to that number, which currently stands at zero. Okay, with me now is presidential historian Alan Lickman, who has cor correctly predicted the last nine elections using his keys to winning an election. He's also author of the case for impeachment. So, Alan, Democrats are pushing for a quick impeachment process. These things, though, they aren't usually fast. The impeachment against President Johnson lasted 94 days. Against President Clinton, it was 127 days. How long do you think this one's going to last? There should be no timetable on impeachment. The okay. critical thing here is to get all of the facts out, however long or short that might take. And given the obstructionism of the Trump administration, I don't think it's going to be quite as quick right. as the Democrats say. Also, uh, mm. yeah, they say it's focused on the Ukrainian matter, but the whistleblower complaint revealed something that may be far more significant, and that is that Trump put in this top 
secret system conversations right. with two murderous dictators, MBS of Saudi Arabia and Vladimir Putin of Russia. What he said to them may be much more damning than what he said to the well, Ukrainian yeah, and president. These, these, these impeachment inquiries have a way of bringing out a lot of other information, which That's to right. your point might add to the length of time. Now, I've seen countless articles this week comparing Trump to Nixon, and then countless more saying, don't compare Trump to Nixon. When it comes to their respective impeachment prospects and impeachment environments, how do you think they, they stack up? I think they're very similar, but let me say, mm. Richard Nixon started at 67% approval. The impeachment mm. process drove it down even before the release of the smoking gun right. tape to 24%. Trump starting at 42 or 43%. Even a small hit would be disastrous to him. And the Clinton impeachment, I mean, excuse me, the Nixon impeachment was disastrous, at least in the short term, for the right. Republican Party. In addition, right. some of the articles that the Judiciary Committee voted against Nixon that led to his resignation could be reprised this time. Abuse of power and obstruction right. of justice and, of course, contempt of Congress. Those three are all in play. So impeachment, whenever you, it's invoked, as you know, is, is a dark time for American politics. What do you expect the mood to be like in the country over the next few months? Yeah, I think people are way too hysterical about the impeachment process. The framers put impeachment into the Constitution advisedly, not as a catastrophic event, but as a legal, peaceful means of dealing with a rogue president. And they expected there to be rogue presidents. You know, when Andrew Johnson was impeached, we just fought a civil war. And people thought, oh, my God, the civil war is going to occur again. Nothing of the kind happened. Mm -hmm. In fact, although he was acquitted, he stopped obstructing uh, reconstruction. The impeachment of Richard Nixon was good for the country because it removed a threat to our democracy. Everyone said, oh my gosh, the impeachment of Bill Clinton is going to so weaken the presidency, but the presidency emerged stronger than ever. So impeachment is not necessarily mm. the, ca the catastrophe that the conventional wisdom says it is. So as I mentioned, you've correctly predicted the last nine presidential elections, um, and you say Democrats would lose in 2020 if they didn't impeach Trump. So do you think impeachment will help Democrats? Absolutely. Everybody gets that wrong. The, way, the reason I've been able to predict elections since 1984 is my keys to the White House system, which measures the strength and performance of the party holding the White House. And Trump would have to lose six keys to be defeated. Right now, he's only down three keys. The Impeachment would nail down as the only the third president ever to be impeached, the scandal key. That's a fourth key. Mm -hmm. And it could trigger other keys, like a real challenge mm. to his renomination or a third party. And let's not forget, after the well, Clinton impeachment, Republicans won the presidency in 2000, election the Democrats should have easily won otherwise. Well, Professor Alan Lickman, I, we will have you on over the, the course of this process, I'm sure, again to weigh in. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. My great pleasure, Essie. All right. We're, we're in a historic moment now that's going to shine a spotlight not just on Trump, but on Republicans as well. That's next. This has been an eventful week for both President Trump and congressional Democrats, but largely MIA Republicans. While there's been an effort to circle the wagons around Trump among his House supporters, GOP senators have had little to say. A number of them, in fact, 
when asked on Thursday, said they hadn't even read the whistleblower complaint, a nine-page document concerning the national security and election integrity of our country. My five-year-old's bedtime stories are longer than nine pages. Let's name these guys, shall we? James Lankford, John Hoven, Mike Braun, Lamar Alexander, Rob Portman, Joni Ernst, and offering a courageous no comment, Tom Cotton. Now, some others have shown a willingness to take off their partisan hats. Senator Mitt Romney, for one, said the call between Trump and Zelensky was deeply troubling. <laughs> so what will Republicans do? With me now is former spokesman for the RNC, Tim Miller, who is also the communications director for Jeb Bush's presidential campaign. Thank you so much for courageously, Tim, stepping away from the Clemson game tonight to join me. I know that was difficult. <laughs> it was a good finish I missed. And my, kid, my, my, my bedtime reading also longer than nine pages for my time. Yeah, ridiculous. Don't even get me started. Um, look, the time for reckoning is upon the GOP. Republicans who did not support this president were concerned about these very kinds of things. And so Republicans who did support this president will now have to answer to them. Um, how do you expect this to go? Do you expect Republican lawmakers to turn on Trump? No, of course not. Look, uh, as you said in the intro, you know, Governor or Senator Romney, excuse me, statement uh, uh, that this was troubling in the extreme was frankly mild, but, but he was yeah. the most aggressive of everyone. And the president immediately followed with a childish series of tweets and videos making fun of him, right? These guys are scared to death. They're petrified of getting a mean tweet from Donald Trump <laughs> that, that their constituents will read that'll be on their local news. And so they're not going to say anything. They're going to pretend like uh, they, they haven't seen it, and this is going to happen up until the last second. Uh, there, there would need to be a, the, the silverest of bullets to get uh -huh. any of these folks to switch, in my view. So Jeff Flake says that at least 35 Republican senators would vote to impeach Trump if it were a silent vote. Well, it isn't, at least not as it currently exists. Um, who, if anyone, I'd do you predict might have the courage to break their silence? <sighs> Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe Ben Sass. It's, it's, but but how could you say that? I, I guess he was the only other one that put out a statement. Uh, yeah, he did. You know, I think there have been silent people. Richard Burr. You know, look, Senator Burr did an honorable job overseeing the Intel uh, Committee during the Mueller hearing. So you could see someone like that, someone who's thinking about retiring, switching. But but look, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I agree with Flake. I think that there are hmm. at least you know maybe a dozen that would that would vote against it in a silent vote. And honestly, I'd rather just get rid of those guys and bring in Trumpers. I, you know, it, it's seems like it's worse to me that you can't be honest with your citizens or with your constituents, I mean, yeah. about something as serious as the president uh, committing these sorts of atrocities and serious foreign policy issues. I, I mean, what is the point of being in the Senate if you can't be at least honest with your constituents about where you stand on something this serious? And the point that I've, I've been making just over the past week is that, you know, while the Republican Party will be held accountable for what they do now, so will individual Republicans. It's not like their names get expunged from the record books and all we talk about is the effect this had on the party. Do you do you think do you think some Republicans in Congress are aware of how historic of, of how history might judge them for this moment? <sighs> I, I, you know, I no, I don't. I really don't think that they do. I, I feel like they think that people have short memories. Uh, they I was asking, you know, the, the Texas Tribune reporter at, at Tribfest, Evan, uh, what he thought about why Ted Cruz, who Donald Trump was so belittling to, why right. he wouldn't use this moment to stand up for the Constitution and to get some revenge on Donald Trump. These guys all are short term. They're looking at their next reelection or 2024. Yeah. Every senator wants to be president, and they don't want to get on the wrong side of. of 
of Trump voters. And so maybe well, some they're of getting them are on considering the wrong side historic of history. states. Yeah, and but I think the ones who are who do feel that way left. You know, I think, yeah, look, you yeah. look at Speaker Ryan and a lot of folks retired and, you know, Senator Flake. And, and I think it's sad that not not more people who understand the stakes, the historic stakes, didn't stay and fight. Tim Miller, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Essie. You All have a good weekend. You too. Quick programming note, tomorrow night at 8, Dr. Sanjay Gupta searches for the truth about CBD in his new CNN special report, Weed 5, the CBD craze. Do not miss it. We'll be right back. The president was tweeting early today about Democrat savages and Democrat do-nothings. He also seriously complained of presidential harassment. Life comes at you fast, doesn't it, Mr. President? I'm old enough to remember when he made a cottage industry of harassing President Obama. From 2011 to 2016, Trump went on countless talk shows and news outlets, as well as Twitter, to challenge Obama's legitimacy as president, questioning his birthplace and American citizenship, as well as his religion. There were no lows to which Trump would not sink in this endeavor. He even grotesquely used the untimely and tragic death of Loretta Fuddy in a plane crash to boost his conspiracy theory, tweeting, How amazing the state health director who verified copies of Obama's birth certificate died in a plane crash today. All others lived. For years he did this, building a mountain of hypotheticals, conspiracy theories, and non-evidence to, yes, harass the sitting president, all the while giving safe harbor to other birthers, white nationalists, Islamophobes, and bigots who would conveniently turn up to support his presidential run. The bogus birther charges against Obama had nothing to do with his policies, had nothing to do with national security. They were just for the sake of ginning up a racist base of personal support. That's harassment. So spare us the pity party, Mr. President. All right, that's it for me. Wolf Blitzer continues CNN's special live coverage from D.C. Stay right there. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.